0: Amen. Amen. Genesis 22 tonight. Let me say that for me personally, this is one of the most moving and meaningful passages of Scripture in the Bible for me. It not only affects my head, it really touches my heart, and that's really what God wants always. Yes, he wants to engage our minds, our heads, but he also always wants to engage our hearts. And I hope that will be the case tonight. Genesis 22, the Lord will provide. At the beginning of this chapter... We are told that God is coming to test Abraham, to test him, to show the quality and depth of his faithfulness. That's always what God's tests are. God already knows. He knows everything. He wants to reveal to us and even to others. What is the quality of our faithfulness to him? What is the depth of our faithfulness to him? And that's why he tests us, just as he tested Abraham. God will always test his people. And let's not forget, especially with Abraham, here was the man that God was going to start it all with. So it needed to be started with a solid foundation. It needed to be started with somebody who was solidly into God because God was going to start something with Abraham that has continued to this day. He's the father of all the faithful, including you and I. At one time in Abraham's life, he believed in God, and God counted his belief as righteousness. And from there on out, anyone who turned to God by faith and believed, was counted in with Abraham. So God came to test Abraham. How Abraham and you and I respond when God tests us can be our times of most effective witness. And what is the test can be boiled down to one question. Do I trust the promises of God? Do I trust the promises of God? Abraham was going to be tested with that. When God stretches our faith, when God tests our faith, be reminded God is putting you and I in a position where we can be a great witness to the reality of our faith. It's easy to say we trust God and we believe in him and all of that when everything in our life is going well or when God's not asking us to make any kind of sacrifice or surrender. It's much more difficult, right, whenever things are going not so good when one trial is coming in after another, and when God comes to us and asks us to do something really, really difficult, really, really hard, as a demonstration of the depth and quality of our faithfulness. And that's exactly what God did with Abraham. God comes to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, and Abraham says, here I I am. Here I am. God knew Abraham by name. He knows you and I by name. He calls us by name. He calls his sheep by name. He knows us intimately, every detail about us, because he made us. And I love the demonstration of Abraham's faith, even right there, and what he said. He said, Here I am. I'm available, God. It's not our ability, but our availability that matters the most. God is the one that will make us able. But God is looking for those who will make themselves available, and that was Abraham. Here I am. And God said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take your son. Notice how deliberate God is here. I want you to take your son, your only son, the son you love, and I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice to me. Now, think about that. God all along has said, this is the son of promise. This is the one that all your descendants are going to come through, the ones that are as vast as the stars of the heaven and the sand on the seashore. And Abraham's probably going, what? You want me to take the life of the one that everything's going to work through? That's what I want you to do. Your son, your only son. You can't rely on Ishmael, remember, from last week. It's all, all the hopes and dreams. Everything is founded on Isaac. And now you want me to give him up? God sometimes will ask us for very difficult things. He's asking here, especially you parents, he's asking a parent to sacrifice their child to him. In fact, God even says, I know you love him. In fact, very interesting, this is the first time the word love is used in the Bible. Genesis 22, first one. What does that tell us or imply? Well, if God is going to build a nation of faithful people, God has to start with one who loves him more than anyone or anything else. And God obviously isn't against a parent loving their child. God is simply saying, but your love for me has got to be even greater. You've got to love me more than anything or anyone else in your life. And I want you to demonstrate that by offering your son, your only son, the son whom you love, because I can't have you loving Isaac more than loving me. We understand that in principle, because the New Testament tells us the greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the greatest. Jesus said to the church in Ephesus, you've left your what? First love, because... God should be our first love. So God was testing Abraham's not head, right? He was testing Abraham's heart. Abraham knew him up here, but would he would his heart surrender to God? We just sung about that in our worship time. It's something I want to remind us all, you know, worship is singing praises and exalting God in song, but worship is also surrender. Worship is surrender. Why? Because worship is putting God in his rightful place. That's really what worship's all about, making sure that God is first place, that he's above anyone or anything else. So in my worship, there may be even times where God even says to me, Or to you, you have an idol in your life. You have something or someone in your life that's more important to you, more significant to you. You love more than you love me. I'm not telling you not to love them or love that at all. I'm just saying, I've got to be first. I've got to be first. So worship is not only surrender, Obviously, we learn here in this passage, worship is also sacrifice. Because what's God telling Abraham to do? Take your son up to that mountain and sacrifice him there. As you and I walk with God and move with God every day, there will be times where God moves in and speaks to us just as he does Abraham. Not in the sense that he may ask us, for instance, to sacrifice our own child, but he may ask us to surrender something to him that we haven't surrendered or turned over to him yet. Or he may ask us to sacrifice something to him that we have held back, you see, in either surrender or sacrifice. In fact, later on, When Abraham demonstrates his faithfulness and faith in God, God even uses those terms. He says, now I know, meaning you've affirmed what I already knew, that you've not withheld your son, your only son, the son whom you love. You didn't keep him back. You didn't keep him for yourself. There's times where God tests us throughout our life to see, are we holding back? Are we giving it all to God, knowing that it all came from God in the first place? And that's really what God is reinforcing here and establishing with Abraham. Abraham, I brought Isaac into your life supernaturally. I'm the one that gave you Isaac, so you need to give him back to me. You see. And trust me, that somehow, way, my promises will be fulfilled through that young man. Abraham not only is demonstrating his faith in what he does, because you'll note there in the passage that after he has his conversation with the Lord, that there's that verse early on in the chapter that says early in the morning, Abraham got up, had, got two of his servants and got Isaac, and they set off for the mountain. Early in the morning, again, showing that Abraham didn't put things off when it came to what God wanted. He didn't procrastinate. There was like, well, God, if this is what you're doing, boom, I'm, I'm in. We're going to do this. As crazy as it sounds, as, as counterintuitive as it is in my mind, as illogical as all of this is, I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to put it off. And so it's a reminder to us that God many times will ask us to do the difficult thing, Sometimes God asks us to do something or be in something that's difficult. God isn't always about the easy, because <laughs> that's not how our faith is strengthened, and that's not how we're stretched, and that's not how we grow and develop, and that's exactly what's happening here. But Abraham's faith is not only seen in what he's doing here in this passage, it's also in what he says, which is true of us. It's Our faith and our faithfulness is seen not only in what we do, but in what we say. Because again, it starts with Abraham saying, here I am, making himself available. But later on in the passage, he tells the servants, whenever he and Isaac split off from the servants and they literally go up themselves to the mountain, the words of Abraham are huge. He says, we're going to go up and worship and then return. Do You see that? That's faith. Even though God has told him, you're going to sacrifice your son to me by faith, Abraham realizes somehow, some way, I don't know how God's going to show up, provide and make himself known, and me and Isaac are going to come back. And, and one of the ways that's reconciled is in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, talking about the faith of Abraham it says that Abraham even reconciled that God could raise Isaac from the dead. So he even went that far, like, you know what? Somehow, way, God's going to make this happen because God promised that it was all going to go through Isaac. So I've just got to believe, even though God's asking me to sacrifice him. So I love that. Abraham saying to the servants, me and Isaac are going to go worship, which isn't that interesting. I'm offering my son, and that's worship? Yeah, because worship is sacrifice and surrender. We're going to go worship, and then we're going to return. And then the last statement that Abraham makes in this passage that demonstrates his faith, and I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself and a little disjointed, but again, I just decided this message can't come from my head, and even having my Bible, it, it had to come from my heart tonight. When Isaac gets there, it's just the two of them, and Isaac says to his dad, uh, "Dad, here's the wood. There's the stuff for the fire. Where's the lamb?" And by faith, what's Abraham say? The Lord will provide for Himself a lamb. Somehow, some way, the Lord's going to show up. Just in time, so he can be seen, so he can make himself known, and somehow, some way within him, God's gonna make it all happen. I don't know how. Abraham didn't know the specifics, he didn't know the particulars, he just knew that God somehow was gonna show up. You know, the same thing is true in our lives. Sometimes we don't know how God's gonna do it all. We don't know all the specifics and all the details of it, but we just know God's going to show up. And we can always count on God showing up. And that's Abraham's faith. The Lord will provide. By the way, at this point, I want to insert this as well. The, The significance of this place that Abraham later calls Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide cannot be overstated. This is the mountain on which Solomon built the temple. This is also the hill on which the Lord did provide a lamb. This is the place where Jesus Christ was crucified. Think about it. All the significant things that were done on that one hill. And I think even back to the temple in the Old Testament sacrificial system where all those sacrifices were offered there in the temple area, pointing to the one sacrifice, the one that John the Baptist talked about. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. All happening here where Abraham was going to offer up his son Isaac. Now let's talk for a moment about you know, what we might call the elephant in the room. The relationship between a father and his son. First of all, can we even put ourselves in the place of Abraham? And as you read the chapter, you realize that this wasn't something that was immediate too. This was sort of drawn out over many days. Abraham and his two servants and his son Isaac leave and they have to walk for days to get to this place. And, and you, you find in the text where it says they're walking together, especially Isaac and Abraham. And remember something here. At this point, Abraham's probably around 120 and Isaac's probably in his 20s. So Isaac's not this little child. Isaac is a young man. Isaac could have looked at his dad at some point and said, you're crazy. He could have refused. Isaac is also a picture of faith here in the fact that he willingly laid down his life, just as Abraham was willing to offer his son to God. They both were demonstrating their faith. But here's what I want to point out, I especially want to speak into parents and grandparents and, and, and even those of you who may be teachers and have contact with younger people. How did Isaac, this young man, get to the point in his life where he was willing to crawl up on that altar and let his dad take that knife and sacrifice him? How did he get, because he didn't get there overnight, you see. It wasn't like, Oh, Isaac got to that place just that day. No. Here's how. And this is the principle or lesson for all of us. Isaac grew up seeing the reality of his father walking with God every day. The reality of faith in his father's life that It was genuine, it was real, it wasn't fake, it wasn't put on, it wasn't like Abraham was one thing when he was around, you know, God followers and he was another thing when he was home and another, no, no, he was the real deal and he walked with God and he was God's friend and Isaac saw the reality of the faith of his father for years and years and years. So it built up over time this trust This trust that he had in his father, that he knew, my father walks with God. My father talks with God. God talks with my father. And I know that my father is following God, so I'm going to trust my father that he's just following God here. Folks, that principle isn't just true in our homes and with our families and with our kids and our grandkids and all that. It's true in life. Paul laid it down, that principle. He said to the Corinthians, follow me as what? I follow Christ. Paul had built up this solid reputation with his fellow Christians that this man lived it. God was with him. God's fingerprints were on this man. God's anointing was on this man. And they knew he followed God and that his life with God was real. And therefore, they were willing to follow him because they knew that they trusted that he was following God. Folks, that same principle is true today in our churches. Hopefully, (laughs) The reason why you follow my leadership as your pastor is because you see the reality of God in my life. But if you didn't, then you shouldn't. But we all get to that place where there's certain people in our life, we trust them because we trust their walk with God. Now, I'm not saying we should trust people To the same degree, we trust God, but that's exactly the dynamic. That's how Isaac, a young man, was willing to crawl up on that altar and follow his father to that sacrificial place was because he trusted him, because he had seen the reality of that faith in his father all those years. That impression, if you will, that imprint of Abraham's walk with God just kept You know, sort of like I've said before, I'm using that old illustration of the typewriter where you just hit the key over and over again and the letter gets darker and darker and darker as you keep hitting the key. That's the kind of impact that God wants us to have, who have that reality of our walk with God, so that over time, we make such an impression and imprint that people want to follow us, not that they're following us, but God is using our life to be an inspiration and motivation to get them to follow him. And that's exactly what was going on here. I love the picture, too. Talk about a picture of Christ, where at one point, Abraham, once they break off of the two servants, Abraham loads the wood for the sacrifice on Isaac's back. And can't you see Jesus carrying his cross on his back up the same mountain a few thousand years later? Isaac is carrying the wood of his own sacrifice. So they get to the hill after days. Can you, I can't even imagine. I I can't imagine what was going through Isaac's heart and mine. I can't imagine what was going through Abraham's heart and mine. To that degree. And yet, I understand it to a point because I know that you feel the same way that there's in your life, God has said, they're mine. you got to give them to me. And I know, for me personally too, that was one of the greatest gifts I ever got from my own parents. Because you all who know my story know that my brother and sister died before I was born. And that my parents had every right, humanly speaking, to shield me, to to like put me in a bubble and and be so overprotective, like we can't lose our last child. We've already lost two, and they were just the opposite. They demonstrated such faith in God that they were like Hannah with Samuel. God. You gave Jeff to us just like you gave Bobby and Linda to us. And so he's yours. And if you take him, you take him because he's not ours. He's yours. And they literally dedicated me to the Lord. It's not hard or it's not easy to do. But looking back, I so appreciate that because whether it was spoken or unspoken, the way they dealt with me, especially as I got older and understood what had happened to them and losing two children and all of that and what they could have been like with me, it made an impact on me. I was like, my parents were people of faith who were willing to offer up their last son as a sacrifice to God. I have to believe, too, that in some way that explains a little bit about why I am where I'm at today and why I do what I do. It's huge. And that's why God calls all of us to this intimate, personal relationship with him like Abraham had, where we look at God not just as our creator and our savior, but our friend and the one that we walk with every day. Because God so wants us to be so close to him and have such a reality of that walk and faith in our life that we can make a difference and make an impression and an imprint on others, whether they're family, whether they're friends, whether they're coworkers, whatever, fellow Christians, God wants us to all walk that same walk and be willing to surrender and sacrifice everything over to him, understanding, not just with our heads, but with our hearts. God, every blessing, every benefit, every good thing comes from you. And Lord, because it all comes from you, I'm giving it back to you. And God, you give and you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you want to take it all away, that's fine because I still have you. I will always have you. And everything I need is found in you. In fact, I, I think I've shared this with you before. There's been a couple times in my life where I, I was so low that I felt like the only thing that I had in my life was God. And yet it was at those lowest times that I realized something very profound and, and, and needful for me to realize, and that was when God was all I had, I realized God is all I need. God is all I need. So Abraham and Isaac go up to that mountain. Abraham lays his son on that altar that he built. And he raises that knife. And he gets ready to plunge that knife into his son, his only son, the son that he loves, Isaac. And he hears this voice, Abraham. And once again, Abraham says, here I am. And and God says, don't. In a sense, God is saying to Abraham something that sometimes he says to us, and that is, I just want to see, were you willing to do this for me? I'm not going to actually ask you to do it. I just want to see your heart. Are you willing to lay it all down for me? Are you willing to surrender at all? Are you willing to sacrifice? That's all I want to see, you being willing to do that. I'm not actually asking you to do it. And we're going to get to this in just a moment, but I want to say it at this point. God never asks us to do something that he was never willing to do himself. Remember that, because I'm going to come back to that point in just a moment. Something else I want to say at this point. Notice at the beginning of that, and, and sort of where Abraham's getting ready to sacrifice, that, that Abraham discerns and recognizes the voice of God. <laughs> okay, God, that's you speaking. It's very important for us to get to a place in our life where we recognize, listen for, and discern the voice of God. Why? Because this voice was earlier telling him, I need you to take your son and offer him. What if that wasn't God's voice? And, and many times, you know, they're, they're, I, I hear people and Christians, whatever, say, God led me to do this, whatever, and I'm going, really? You, you really think you're dialed in there? Because one of the reasons my radar would go up is they're saying something that is clearly contradicted in his Word. And we know God's not going to contradict himself. He's not going to tell you to do something that contradicts what he's already said in his word. You and I have to get to the place like Abraham where we know that's God speaking because if God does ask us to do something really difficult, to make some great sacrifice or some surrender, we better make sure that that's coming from God and not our spiritual enemy or somebody else. And so God stops Abraham from offering his son Isaac. And right there is a lamb found in the thicket for the sacrifice. God did provide for himself the sacrifice. And so Abraham calls this place, the Lord provides, or Jehovah-Jireh. God showed up. Boy, did he show up. And notice something, and you and I all get this, God doesn't show up early, does he? I mean, Abraham had the young man on the altar, tied up, there's the wood, and here comes the knife down. And it was at that point, that God intervenes. God very rarely shows up early, but here's the other thing about God. God never shows up late, either. God shows up just at the right and perfect time. But he will show up, and that's where our faith has to kick in. God's going to show up. Those of you who are waiting for God to move or work, whatever, it's so hard to wait. But I'm telling you, you hang in there because God's going to show up. And sometimes the longer he makes us wait on something, the more glorious it is when he shows up. I love this too. After God sees that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, he said, because you have not withheld, kept back, your son, your only son, the son whom you love for me, God then begins to assure him of all the promises he gave him earlier. Later on in the chapter, I will bless you, and I will make you a great nation, and your descendants will be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore and all that. God reaffirms and reassures all of those promises again to Abraham. He says, you're the guy I want to work through. And you proved yourself. You proved yourself faithful. I tested you, and like Job, you came forth like gold, Abraham. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then before I close, I I love this, because it might seem like, why is that in there? Like, it's almost like an afterthought, right? At the very end of the chapter, Abraham starts to hear that some of his relatives are starting to have babies. And you, and you go, what's that got to do with the whole sacrifice of Isaac and all this stuff? God, even in that, is saying to Abraham, Abraham, I got you, and I got Isaac, and I'm taking care of everything over here. I'm fulfilling my promises because in all those children, do you notice one of the names that sticks out there? Rebecca. God, in a sense, is saying to Abraham, I've even already got a bride for Isaac. I'm, I'm going to make sure that this works. You can rest in me, Abraham. I'm taking You just keep doing what I'm telling you to do, and I'll take care of all the details and things that are out of your control, because you're sitting there going, OK, I've got the son now, and now my son's still alive, but I realize that if this whole thing, descendants and all these nations and all this is going to work, my son has to get married and start having kids. Where's his wife going to come from? Oh, over here. I already got Rebecca over here. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to see how God brings Isaac and Rebecca even together and how God begins to weave and work his plan and purposes and fulfill his promises in all of these people's lives, just as he's doing today in our lives. But I want to end tonight with this. Remember earlier I said God will never ask of us what he's not willing to do himself. God asked Abraham, a father, to sacrifice his son, but he never had to. But God did. And this is something that you and I, we can't even begin to appreciate and understand the love that God the Father has for his Son and his Son has for the Father. And one of the most famous verses in all the Bible is John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, that's you, that's me, that He gave His one and only Son so that we might not perish but have eternal life. God did sacrifice His Son. He left His Son, whom He loved, go to the cross, be beaten, be betrayed, be rejected, be scorned, be crucified, and he watched it all unfold because of his love for you and me. And then let's talk about the love that Jesus had for the Father, and like Isaac and even greater, the trust that the Son, Jesus, had in his Father because in the Gospels it says, Jesus is in that garden of agony, And he says, Abba, Father, Dad. I know you can do all things. Take this cup away from me. Jesus is not in that moment being a reluctant savior or a reluctant sufferer. He's willing to go to the cross and die for us. The hard thing that Jesus was dealing with was that he knew for that moment in time when God would make him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that for the one and only time throughout eternity, he was going to be separated from God, the Father, which is why he cries out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you realize that Jesus went through something that you and I as mere human beings will never have to go through because God will never leave us or forsake us? and yet he did his only son, and that was what Jesus was struggling with, is I don't want this relationship that has been in perfect communion, this intimacy that I have with my Father, this love that we have for each other, even be broken for a moment. But then Jesus says, I trust you, Father, because not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus went to the cross, and not only took the suffering and the pain and the rejection and the betrayal, but was willing to go through that brokenness, if you will, between him and his father that he had never experienced before and would never experience again. And he and the father did all of that and experienced a pain, an acute pain, that you and I just, we can't even understand. They did all of that for us. That's how much God loves you and me. And I hope, if nothing else tonight, when you think about Genesis 22 and the sacrifice of Isaac by Abraham the father, That even more than that, this chapter will remind you of the sacrifice of God the Father and God the Son for you and me. Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight for being here, for being in our midst. We thank you, God, for loving us so much with a love that, Lord, is incomprehensible in many, many ways. And yet every day, God, you demonstrate your great love for us. You speak your love into our lives. You show us over and over again how much you love us. But Lord, if we ever forget, if we ever doubt, all we have to do is go back to the cross and be reminded that all that the Father went through in sacrificing his one and only son and all that you went through, Jesus, to willingly lay down your life and be separated from your father for a moment in time was all because you loved us. Sinners. Sinners. Like us. Oh, God, may we never get over being loved by you. And may your love... Lord, just inspire us, motivate us. Just enrich us, grow us every day of our lives. Encourage us. God, we feel tonight through our time of worship and our time in the word that we have truly been on holy ground. And we thank you, God, for the privilege of being able to do this with you week in and week out. God, I thank you for those who've joined us from their homes tonight. I thank you for those who've come out tonight to your house. And pray, God, that you would just give us a great time of resting in you as we go to sleep tonight later on. And God, wake us up tomorrow. And when you wake us up, may the first thing we think about is how much you love us, God these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here tonight, guys. God bless. We'll see you next week.